Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exist, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. I am Tim, and I am the lead pastor of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario. And I'm Marshall, and I'm his associate. It's been a long time since we've done the long intro like that. It was so funny. I was actually thinking about it, uh, and I, I was waiting for you to just drop your name, and then I was going to give my name and title. Oh, really? And make it, yeah, that was my plan. That was my plan. So I was like mildly... balls are being thrown all over the place. Yeah, right? I was mildly disappointed that you mentioned that yeah. you were... I don't know why pastor. I always feel like I should open the podcast with some way of tripping you up. I just <laughs> I just have this... I wanted to turn the tables on you <laughs> and I tendency. can't. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> you foiled me again. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. Happy Canada Day. Yeah. Week late for some. Yeah, but well, yeah. Canada Day but today us. is Canada Day. You actually have a, a leaf on your shirt. I do. I don't. I'm wearing green. I woke up completely forgetting it was Canada Day. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> but new book day for you as well. That's, That's exciting. True. Yeah, Wrap yeah. Wrap this up and you get to thumb through your new books. The Theological Dictionary because, of the New Testament. Because pastors are often nerds for books. I love books. I love me some books. And you actually recommended those books. You were like, I didn't write a single paper in seminary without using them. And I, when, as soon as I heard that, I was like, I need them. And they were 77% off. Wow. 77% off. When does that even happen? That would make my wife's heart happy. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk. Catechism. Yeah. Let's do it. Last two weeks were pretty weedy. Yes. They were deep. Mm-hmm. They were dense. Mm-hmm. There were not safe islands to stand on in some places. This one's pretty straightforward. I think so. This one, this one's like a Canada Day break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How can we be saved, Marshall? Yeah. If we can't answer this question, we, ha- we have to like return our pastor cards. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. How can we be saved? Mm. Uh, I think it's an easy one to answer. Mm-hmm. I think um, Ephesians 2, memorized by millions, mm-hmm. is the, the go-to statement, mm-hmm. which is the correct answer. Yes. But I think there are also times when we have to trim the fat of the human heart off so that we can stay focused on that. Right. So just because it's straightforward doesn't mean it's not without its depth or interest or worthy of a 30-minute conversation. This question, everyone, every believer needs to be able to answer this question. Mm-hmm. And most can't, I would say, it, it, at least in their practice. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the thing that the world misunderstands most about Christianity. Yes. And Christians have often obliged that misunderstanding. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, what are some ways we've gotten it wrong? Okay. Um, how about moral excellence? Yes. Right? Moralism. God wants you to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Right? Just do good in, in whatever way that, you know, you want to measure goodness. <laughs> right. Right? Or even even in a biblical way, even just saying God, you know, has called us to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Right, there are ethical imperatives in Scripture. Sure, by fulfilling those commands, I please God, and therefore am savable. Right, and so 
so oftentimes what we do is we take those ethical commands and we make them into law. Mm-hmm. Right? We, we can do it two ways. We can, one, make them a law. Well, if you're not doing this, then you can't be saved. Right. Because God frowns on you. Mm-hmm. Um, or we make them into... Um, We make them into a law in that we would say, well, this is what I have to do to remain, right? Right. And so there's there's this idea that it's a point of entry or, okay, maybe we're saved by grace, spoiler, mm-hmm. um, through faith, but then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's on you. Yeah, and this this idea of, of moral excellence, um, being saved by the quality of your conduct, the decisions you make, um, this is present in a lot of faith traditions, right? This is this is present in a lot of other uh, religious traditions. It, it takes on different flavors, yeah. but essentially it is you practice these things that you ought to do, and that will guarantee you a, the good place in the next life. Whether that is, you know, uh, being, you know, reunited with the all being power of the universe in kind of an Eastern mystic sense, or whether it is the the scales of good and evil tip in your favor uh, before Allah in Islam. Um, this is kind of a per- pervasive thing in, in human tradition. This is what people sink their teeth into when they say all religions are essentially the same. Yeah, because they're like, well, there's moral commandments in all of them. And, right. and you know, I, I, with a cursory glance, you'd say, oh, they're all essentially the same. Um, to that, I would say, take a deeper look. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, so, so I, I heard an apologist say one time, um, those who say all religions are essentially the same are proving that they've studied no religion. Agreed. Right. Uh, but we have, this has intertwined itself into Christian teaching so tightly mm-hmm. that there are believers who stumble over that statement. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, are we basically the same? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all trying to do... And they don't understand, no, the the gospel is radical. It is not moralism. It is radically different from mm-hmm. moralism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost a polar opposite of moralism. Yes. Which is not to call for antinomianism and say, well, should we not do these things that the Bible declares? No. But what we see is our morality is not the effectual act of salvation. Mm-hmm. It is the side effect. Yep. Because I've done, because I've been saved, this flows through me. Right. Not I do these things so that I can be. So I would say moralism How about, is big. Uh, yeah. How about um, higher knowledge? Mm-hmm. Right, the kind of the Gnostic, mystic, Keswickan, yeah, higher state of enlightenment, right? The the understanding the mysteries, being able to crack the code, seeing with your third eye, or whatever, however we want to play that out. That's something that's been around for a while, right? Right. Yeah. When we say Gnostic, like Gnosticism, um, was one of the earliest kind of pseudo-Christian groups that that deviated from the gospel. To the point that it's in Scripture. 
Yeah, they're actually referenced. Right, and so that, first century yeah. heresy. Now, it's because those types of cults um, pre-existed Christianity to some degree yep. and then adopted some of the Christian teachings, um, but then obviously you know, polluted it with their, their other opinions and views. And, and it, gets, it gets really weird. I mean, uh, Manichaeanism, I believe, was something that Augustine— or Augustine, depending on how you want to pronounce his name, was involved in. And for them, it was like, if you ate certain fruits, you absorbed the spirits of that were living in those fruits, and they would give you higher knowledge, and you would, you know, work your way up. Um, I'm really curious as to know, like, which fruits they were. <laughs> like, was it peaches? I-, I love peaches. I could, I could definitely see peaches. So you would hope. I'm not an apple guy. I find apples boring. Yeah. Um. Which, so, so if it was apples, you'd be like, you know what, the plane that I'm on is good enough. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm fine. Marginal Christianity is good enough for me because I don't like apples. I love apples in things like apple juice, apple pie, apple sauce, just apples on their own. I just, I'm always left. This might be the strangest side trail we've ever been on. <laughs> Anyways, but this idea of like higher, higher understanding, higher learning, right? And this exists within contemporary Christianity to some degree, mm-hmm. right? It's like, and, and whether people will say, they might not say, okay, you're not saved unless, some groups would, but this idea that there is a higher level of Christian once you have cracked the code, once you have really understood the secrets once you can see through the veil and all these other things you have to you have to learn the mysteries and then and only then are you um are you truly you know right. in communion with god yep yep next um we touched on it in the moral excellence thing but the faith plus works mm-hmm. right i think worth mentioning um this idea that the faith is good, faith is ne- a necessary ingredient in right. the recipe for salvation, but the works are something that needs to be added to that, and an acceptable level of works um, is required on top of your faith in order to be saved. And this is where I think we get a wrong construct of what faith in Christ means. Yeah. Uh, where where people take the idea of believe in and have faith in, and they they interpret that to mean a rudimentary faith in the existence of right. I believe that I believe in God, that He exists, mm-hmm. and now I've got to do something about it, mm-hmm. right? Which is not what believe in or faith in. Christ means Mm -hmm. it means trusting his gift and plan right Mm -hmm. Uh, the the overused possibly but beautifully accurate example there's a difference between looking across the room at that stool over there and saying I believe that stool exists and saying I believe in that stool to hold me Mm -hmm. and then placing all of my weight in that um that's the difference and and that's that's where people get the i get the notion i can i should believe in god Mm -hmm. and then do something about it it's it's very islamic yeah because it to to draw a a tight comparison Mm -hmm. but predates islam Mm -hmm. yeah because it's it's also very catholic 
Very Jehovah's Witness, very Mormon. Yeah, yeah. All right. Do you have any others that you wanted to drop in there? Religiosity? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, yeah. It's a version of moralism mm-hmm. that says if I'm just religious enough, mm-hmm. if I'm spiritual enough, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes that takes on a very deceptively cloaked Christianity. Right. Sometimes it can just be anything, yeah. right? Like I, I say my prayers. Um, I, I know I've talked about this before. Had a guy tell me one time, he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't do anything with the church, but I pray at night, and that's all God really wants from us anyway. <laughs> and and he, fully expecting me to just be like, yeah, it's socially awkward to challenge anything anyone says, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and so I just said, where did, where did you learn that that's all God wants from us? Mm-hmm. Or that he even wants it from us at all? Um, and the guy was like, is this pastor about to tell me that God doesn't want me to pray? <laughs> uh, and and he was like, well, you pray, don't you? And I was like, yeah, but how do you know that that's what God wants from you? I love that story. And, and he just was like, well, I don't know, but but he was doing that, right? Sure. Some people do it with Sunday morning attendance. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the really dangerous one. Mm-hmm. Um, showing up on Sunday, offering in the plate well when we had plates mm-hmm. e-transfers <laughs> to the church um communion even baptism yeah. that that participating in these ritualistic ceremonies which are are good things um will will guarantee them favor with god yeah i have people call from time to time mm-hmm. um and just say hey do you guys do baptisms and i say Yes, we do. Would you like to get together and talk about it? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I would just like to schedule one. And and the, their idea is, I don't know you. I don't know anything about your church or what you teach. I just Googled churches in Stratford. Your name showed up on the list, and I'm just working my way down it. Yeah. And the we first, have Baptist in the name, so they, they know that we do baptisms. The so. first one to say yes. <laughs> will show up that Sunday. Right. Sometimes they'll even say like whatever, like if, if I need to give a donation or whatever, that's fine too. Oh, um, and and I, I always I always try to make it into this gospel sharing moment. And in, in my mind, I get excited and I'm like, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open this person's heart to the, and as soon as I get into it, they're like, no, okay, thanks, click. <laughs> it never goes anywhere, but it is an example of how religious practices have been overly trusted, mm-hmm. right? The expression of faith does not constitute faith, mm-hmm. nor is God fooled yeah. by going, oh, they did, the, they did the thing, the public profession, so I guess that means... Yeah, yeah. it's really a leftover from like almost the medieval era Christianity right where like you could be an absolute tyrant king like committing genocide and sleeping around and doing whatever you wanted to do but then you would just you get communion from the priest and you're good Hit right the reset button right yeah yeah I, I would say too i i think i think this notion survived the reformation mm-hmm. right because we still have the yeah. whole like it's true well as long as they were baptized um, that's the mark that holds, right? And mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be 
Bible says you'll know them by their by their works. Mm-hmm. That the works are the fruit of evidence, um, and sometimes we lose that. Yeah, so, yeah. I think those are the ones that we get wrong. Yeah, yeah. What we get right is. It's simple, but man, is it a long answer. It is. I was, as I was reading this answer, I was like, this is, some of these questions do not lend themselves well to memorization, which is what a catechism, catechisms were originally built for. Right. Um, was meant to be this question answer back and forth thing. Gets a little wordy. I understand their reasoning why, but this answer is going to require a bit of breaking down. Yeah. There's a lot of focusing in the answer. Mm -hmm. So, How can we be saved? You read it. Only by faith in Jesus Christ and in his substitutionary atoning death on the cross. So even though we are guilty of having disobeyed God and are still inclined to all evil, nevertheless, God, without any merit of our own, but only by pure grace, imputes to us the perfect righteousness of Christ when we repent and believe in him. Well said. Thank you. Uh, Grammatically, there's some weird stuff in that, so I had to make sure that the, the inflection went on the sure, right word. Sure. <laughs> uh, so to say, only by faith in Jesus Christ, boom, is a sufficient answer. Mm-hmm. Everything after that, in my opinion, defines what we mean by faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Faith in, I mean, I, what I see kind of in the, the opening phrase is you know, faith in, in who he is and what he has done, right? Yes. Not simply that he exists, but that, but in why he came mm-hmm. and what that does, right? That it is a substitutionary atoning death, right? That he, he suffered the consequences for our sin, um, yeah, I, I give you that. Um, I, in my thought on it, what he did and what he said are so essential to who he was mm-hmm. um, that yeah. I went with just that. Yeah. And I think uh, defining faith, the biblical definition of faith, uh, the best place to find it, I think, is Hebrews 11. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Yeah, and this is a tricky thing. Sometimes as a pastor, people come to me and they're like, I just keep praying for a sign. And if God would just give me a sign, I would have faith. But praying for a sign is asking to not live by faith. Mm-hmm. It's asking to live by sight. Mm-hmm. That's where I, I get sort of worked up when I hear pastors or teachers telling people to pray the fleece, um, looking for that confidence. Um, that is not the things unseen. Mm-hmm. or hope for it's yeah. not trusting god to say this all rests very questionably and mysteriously in my head and i'm okay with that even though i'm kind of deep down not but i'm gonna make myself be okay with that because of who you are and and that you're in control that's mm-hmm. life in faith mm-hmm. when we come in and we're like this doesn't make any sense to me god show me what you're up to that's holding God accountable mm. and saying faith is hard and faith is scary. Mm-hmm. I need some sight. Right. And surely 
surely God gets that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, that being said, sometimes God does reveal himself to right. people in powerful ways, meaningful ways, and that's a grace from him, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. But um, the key to faith, the, the key to clinging to our faith is is being sure of those things that we are hoping for, even though we don't see him. Right. Um, even though at times it feels as though he is far away. Right. I would say it is right for the believer to say, God, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. As the man with the daughter mm-hmm. who was ill. Yeah. I would say the only way for God to help our unbelief is to leave us in our questions and not to answer everything for us. You can't say, God, build my faith by taking away all of my need to trust in you, Mm. by answering all of my questions and solving all my problems. Sometimes God deepen my faith means pull the rug out from under me so that I have nothing but you. Right. And I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I think that's true. I think it might be in that situation where people are looking for the answers to confirm their faith that maybe God has answered those questions in his word. Right. So I don't think it's wrong to point people when they're struggling with assurance of, of their salvation or they're wrestling with faith and wrestling with questions. I mean, you're right. There are certain things that are not answered for us. Um, and particularly sometimes when it comes to the specific uh, things that we endure in our own lives. But there is a lot to be said in God's word. He gives us enough. Right. Um, and so it's kind of one of those things, right? If people are like, well, I'm struggling. I th- one of those questions that you always want to ask somebody, but sometimes feels awkward to ask, um, is are you reading your Bible and are you praying? It's true. Like there's a reason that the internet is full of memes of people praying with a closed Bible mm. saying, God, I wish you would just speak to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, The general revelation that is available in Scripture, people are oftentimes going to account insufficient. They say, no, but I have like details. Like, should I turn left or right here? Right. (laughs) And and if Scripture does not speak to it, chances are that if God can be served by you, whether you turn left or right, you have freedom to choose to turn left or right. Mm-hmm. And even though that feels a little scary to you because you don't know what the outcome will be, that's okay. Go in faith. Mm-hmm. And and we want to say, no, God runs this sort of railroad and we have to walk the this exact perfect path all along the way because if I don't, then what? Mm-hmm. And so what we what we can do then is we can take our own insecurities and blame it on God's silence. Mm-hmm. Right. But instead, what we need to be able to do is to say, God has given me the basics of what he has called me to do. His call is very, very rarely so specific. Yes, I would agree. And when he says, go and make disciples. Then we say. How do I want to do that? Mm -hmm. How can I go about doing that? Mm -hmm. And. We live in some freedom in that way. Um, yeah, so, I would agree. But but it, but that freedom is scary. Yeah, it is scary. 
Um, the answer goes on to kind of elaborate that even though we are guilty of having disobeyed God and are still inclined to all evil, um, I think this is this is something again. Um, this builds assurance for people in their faith, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Romans seven, Paul wrestling with his own propensity to sin. Right now, I've <laughs> I've read some people, some 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 traditions are like, no, no, no. Paul is just talking about a hypothetical person. He's not talking about himself or a physical ailment. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Doing the things he doesn't want to do and not doing the things he knows he should do. Come on. Yeah, um, it meant that uh, he had, because he does talk about like his vision, trouble right. his vision. I've seen people connect it to that, mm-hmm. uh, but you're right. Yeah, right? It, it gets into, he. yeah, it gets into matter. He even talks about matters of like the, the law in his heart and the, con- the, the conflict there. I, I've, heard, I've heard a pastor say, we don't know what the thorn in his flesh was, but we know what it was and it wasn't sin. Yeah. And to that, I think Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, no, Paul, I I actually, I appreciate it so much that the Apostle Paul just gets real and and um, is transparent to some degree about the things that he wrestles with. Um, yeah, and I think that's an important line to draw. There's a difference mm-hmm. between living in sin and wrestling in sin. Yes. And what he's talking about is a an inclination mm-hmm. towards evil. Yeah not a participation in all evil. Right. Right? He is doing the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's an important line to draw. Yeah, when people come and they say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about where I'm at because I'm just like, I'm struggling with this sin and it's just, you know, I'm fighting it and it's not going away and it's breaking my heart and I don't know, like, it's like, I mean, that's a tough thing. That's a tough journey to walk through. But the fact that you're broken over it is a good sign. Right. It's, it's a good a, thing. It's a sign of faith and a desire to be like Christ. Yes. And and I know I I have I have all the sympathy in the world with someone who looks to that and says, But I just want freedom to worship God in a clean conscience and this thing mm. is always present and it separates me in my heart from full devoted worship because I know my guilt. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I try to push to people is we would tell people without any question, it doesn't matter what you have done, you can be saved, mm-hmm. right? Prison ministries, we love this concept because uh, as I often like to pseudo facetiously say sin is the thing that people do that I wouldn't do and a sinner is someone who would go further than I would right and so we're happy to look at people in prisons and say oh yeah yeah yeah, that's that's and we're happy to tell those people there's nothing that there's nothing that can be in your past that can't be covered by the blood of God but blood of Christ Mm -hmm. and his substitutionary atonement Mm mm-hmm and then I remind them that the God who saved you then knowing what you have done also saved you knowing what you would do. Mm-hmm. He knew that Peter would deny him three times. Mm-hmm. And he called Peter. He told Peter ahead of time, 
<laughs> Peter did it, and he was crushed. Yeah. He was crushed because he said, I did this thing. I had this tendency inside of me that I didn't think I would have. I have walked with my Savior, and still, still I struggled. Jesus has a conversation with Peter about this, and it doesn't go the way that Peter expected. It doesn't go the way that we would imagine it would go. He just says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Get back to it. He doesn't tell him, Peter, you need to be crushed. Peter, you have to do this to make amends. Peter, I thought we were good, but we're not. He says, Peter, I told you it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen, and I went to the cross Mm -hmm. knowing how this was going to be. Get back to work, Peter. Yeah. You you see this as a barrier, and I don't. Right. Yeah. You're doing, you're wrestling through it. You're doing right things, Peter. You're not perfect. But that's that's to come. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just love what's not said in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. The next the next portion of the answer is just in regards to this this salvation not being our own merit by but purely grace. Right. And, and that's where kind of the mm-hmm. uh, verse that is accompanied um that accompanies the qu- the question in the catechism, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I mean, we understand that. I think that's that's the kind of thing that we read that and we're like, yes, I I intellectually understand that. And yet, our humanity pulls us into a direction where either uh, we think that we still um, that it, it is somehow this thing that we have to kind of add to mm-hmm. right that we there's still a price there is a you know the greater part of the price has been paid but there's still a smaller part of the price that we need to pay you know our tendency to do that or for some people a pride of look at me I'm saved. I'm therefore I am better because I was wise enough to respond to the gospel call. Right. Christ didn't pay the deposit. He paid the penalty. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. substituted himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, Marshall, the reason we do this is because we assume that God loves the way we love. I'm not getting into the whole agape love as a God kind of. By the way, <laughs> agape doesn't mean the kind of love that God has for people. Agape just means love, and 99% of the time your Bible says love. It says yeah. agape. And uh, sometimes it says phileo. Sorry, sorry Lewis. And there's, there's but then the ESV <laughs> is going to specify brotherly love. Right. Yeah, it is. Um, and so and so the the way that we love is conditional. Mm-hmm. We love the lovable. Mm-hmm. And we make ourselves lovable because we know that other people love the lovable. And it's work for us to stay inside of love relationships, to not fall out of love. It's physical, emotional effort. But God doesn't love that way. Mm-hmm. God not only did God go send Jesus to the cross knowing what we have done and what we would do, he created us 
knowing that all of this was going to take place. Mm-hmm. I am running the risk right now of people being like, you know what, Tim is really light on sin. Mm. He's too light on sin. And acts of righteousness for the believer. That's not what I'm pumping here. What I'm trying to battle against is the need for the believer to feel perpetually crushed and unworthy to the point that it locks them up and makes them useless for the kingdom because they're like, no, I I know my heart and I can't do, I can't tell people about Jesus because I still struggle with sin. Mm. And so who am I? Well, that's because you believe in moralism. Even if you don't proclaim it, you're practicing moralism. Mm -hmm. You're saying, I need to be perfect before I could tell someone else to be perfect. And what if they find out that I'm not perfect? Then they're going to see me as a hypocrite. That doesn't make you a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. It just makes you human and a receiver and practicer of gospel faith. Mm -hmm. And, And what I want is I want to see the church freed from this need to be perpetually crushed in a way that just sort of locks us up. Mm -hmm. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. The sun sets free. Mm -hmm. Not those for whom the sun has paid a deposit and then they have achieved are free indeed. That's not the point. The point is, yeah, God knows we still got a ways to go. He knows that we're still stumbling. We must fight those battles in our heart that we may be more like him. Mm-hmm. Yet, I don't think that God saved us desiring, I, I, I just don't see it in Scripture, desiring that we would be, as the monks that we would come against, beating ourselves physically. Mm-hmm. I think the same is true emotionally. Sure, yeah. And the next part of the answer kind of helps us through that because it talks about the imputation of the perfect righteousness of Christ that is ours, right? For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, right? The idea that the perfect righteousness of God is placed on us right? That that righteousness is what defines our relationship with God rather than the varying degrees of Christian obedience from day to day, week to week that we experience in our earthly lives. That is a, that is a constant thing. And again, we're not trying to diminish the importance of walking in obedience and growing in Christlikeness. And, and the Holy Spirit can be grieved and the Holy Spirit can be quenched. Uh, that is a thing. Um, and yet, and yet our position before God is not based uh, on the quality of our character um, or the quality of our morality or whatever, our own righteousness, but rather it is the righteousness of Christ, which is perfect. That is an acceptable right. currency at the throne of God. And so by that, that's why we can enter into the throne room uh, with confidence as sons and daughters of the most holy God, because that is what is that is what he sees when he sees us. And that is... Yep. Such a relief. And that is what we need to know as a fact mm. is our standing before God. Mm-hmm. 
And I think the struggle that we have is saying, well, how do I live that out in a way that I can rightfully be called to hold sorrow for my sin, to feel the weight of my sin, to see my sin the way that God sees my sin, which I believe is necessary for the believer. Yet, Tim, not feeling crushed entirely and constantly by the weight of my sin. Mm-hmm. I would say to see your sin the way that God sees your sin is to understand the depravity of the human heart, how far we've fallen, how great the cost was for him to redeem us, but that it is redeemed. Yes, yeah. And, and I, would, I would liken it to a parent raising up a child to learn to walk, right? We would never as parents look at our kids and be like, you took a step yesterday and today you're not walking. You're useless to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? What kind of parent? Or, or even, as a, even as a six-year-old running down the sidewalk and they fall and they skin their knee, we wouldn't be like, did I not spend years teaching you how to walk and here you stumbled again? Mm. Are you kidding me? Right. And now you're hurt and you're crying? Well, it's on you. Right. Right? No, we'd look at them and be like, we're growing, we're learning, we're building. And my love for you is not dependent on how well you do the things that I've called you to, right. but that we are in a relationship and growing. Mm-hmm. And that definitely runs its boundaries as an illustration. Sure. But I think it's important for us to understand that God understands that we are not glorified, that we are in a process of sanctification. And we need to understand that as well mm-hmm. and realize it is not up to us to be perfect before we can be saved. We have been saved, and our good and righteous works is an overflow, a side effect of what God has done in us mm-hmm. and proof of our saving faith. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the answer concludes with this idea of how this that this imputation of Christ's righteousness is given to us when we repent and believe in him. Um, that is, that is, that is our part <laughs> turning away and turning towards, um, the work is done on our behalf, sitting on the stool mm-hmm. and saying, I'm not going to hold myself up anymore mm-hmm. because I truly believe that you were designed and have made yourself available to hold me up. Yeah. Yeah. Before we end, I want to read a portion of the commentary section from Charles Spurgeon. Um, <laughs> the Spurge, the Prince of Preachers. He wouldn't like to be called that, but a lot of people called him that. My hope does not live because I am not a sinner, but because I am a sinner for whom Christ died. Mm. My trust is not that I am holy but that being unholy, he is my righteousness. My faith does not rest upon what I am or shall be or feel or know, but in what Christ is, in what he has done, and in what he is now doing for me. On the lion of justice, the fair maid of hope rides like a queen. The Spurgeon guy's on to something. <laughs> Might be worth checking out. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. Have a good day. See you later, everyone.